Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Welcome back to America's Heroes Group with our Roundtable Mental Health Matters with our partner, Nami Contra Costa. Today is Saturday, February 4th, 2023. February is Black History and American Heart Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Cleveland, the co-host, Army National Guard veteran. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have our partner back on the line. That is Gigi Crowder. She's the executive director of Nami Contra Costa in California. Nami is the National Alliance of Mental Illness, an advocacy group founded by family members of people with mental illness. He has a panelist today. That is Horatio S. Jones, Senior Pastor of Family Bible Fellowship, President and CEO of Tri-Cities Community Development in Newark, California. How are you guys doing? Doing well. So we're going to talk about training to become a mental health friendly, uh, to become mental health friendly using faith-based curriculum in the black church. So tell us, how do you use faith-based curriculum and how is that being used to train people to become mental health friendly? So I guess back to back to say, what is mental health friendly, first of all? Well, I'll let Pastor Jones uh, answer that question. I saw him out as I was working for Alameda County Behavioral Health Care to make sure that we were meeting the needs of African Americans who were in need of uh, mental health support who first turned to their faith leaders when they were uh, in a struggle. Pastor Jones, you want to answer that question? Yes. Yeah, so mental health, uh, first of all, thank you so much for inviting us uh, this afternoon, this much-needed uh, dialogue and conversation regarding mental health uh, within all communities, and particularly here in the month of February, the African-American community. And so Mental Health Friendly uh, Communities is a comprehensive uh, grassroots uh, program and, and strategy of providing uh, services, partnership, and collaboration between the uh, African-American uh, faith community, uh, and then secondly, uh, also with those who are providing services, mental health services, to the African-American uh, faith community and uh, behavioral health care um, departments throughout uh, the state of California and throughout uh, our nation. It's, it's comprehensive in that it, it does not focus on just one particular a stakeholder group, but all three that have a direct impact on eliminating stigma uh, as it relates to mental health and uh, and then also improving outcomes uh, for the African-American community. And particularly, as as Gigi mentioned, uh, the intersection of faith and, and uh, mental health, uh, all roads lead through the African-American faith community. And so we work uh, with Af- with uh, faith leaders, we work with uh, congregants, we work with providers within the faith community so that we can build uh, a bridge that enables us to have uh, a clinical, to, to connect the clinical approach and the spiritual approach to mental health to improve outcomes within our community. And we do so one congregation at a time. Wow. So how effective has it been so far to be able to use the church as a mechanism or a, or a vehicle to train people about mental health? 
it's been very effective. We have had contracts with the various counties in California because in doing the work, and as we're doing now with Cal Hope, when individuals pick up the phone and call seeking support, one of the number one things they request is, will you pray with me? And so generally, mental health systems haven't allowed one of the most essential tools, which is a relationship with faith and a belief that a part of the equation to healing is also embracing uh, faith-based principles. So we've been able to look at why are African Americans experience such health disparities. And so we've come up with some con- what we call community-defined strategies, and most of which are based on godly principles of how to work with individuals. And so many African Americans that we've worked with have said, um, make comments like, I know that I'm dealing with this, but uh, in addition to talking to me about a therapy session or my medications, I need to, to also embrace what's most important to me, which is my faith practice. And then, and then also but to give you a, a, a practical, real-life example of how effective this um, training, and it's more so what we call a transformational, we created a word, mm-hmm. transformational, and then it's transformative, and then it results in, in significantly changing and impacting uh, the lives of individuals within the African-American community and faith community. One example, Gigi, you can recall, remember many years ago when we, uh, we, we sponsored what are referred to as mental wellness fireside chats, and when we, we had one at our church um, as a follow-up to our training, and the focus was on uh, uh, suicide prevention and depression. And one of the individuals who was in attendance uh, later, about a week or so, uh, shared with me in, uh, that uh, her father, who was actually a veteran, her father, who was a veteran, had been living with uh, a, a clinical and chronic depression, but because of the stigma and so on, he wouldn't share it, and, it, and he, wasn't, uh, he wasn't open and vulnerable and transparent with his family. But as this daughter came to our training and learned from the perspective of her dad and also from faith and, and how we as a community can advocate and support our, our, our uh, and how to also talk with your, your family members and loved ones who are dealing with uh, mental health stresses. She took those tools back to her father and, and was able to talk her father through the process of receiving the therapy and the help that he needed from his medical, his mental health providers. And she felt and was convinced that without that training, she potentially would not have had her father with her to that day. Wow. Wow. Now, Pastor Jones, you deal with, you understand faith, you know, from a perspective, a Christian perspective. Is this open to other faiths, particularly there's a, in the African-American community, there's a large Muslim uh, population. So is it just particularly a Christian-based perspective, or is it as a crossover, is it Abrahamic perspective, where it goes from, you know, Christian, Jewish, uh, Muslim? Explain that part of it. Well, it's across the board, and uh, it's a it's a faith. Our focus is, and our strategy is working with the faith community, and it, it's even beyond the African American faith community, but particularly here, uh, a cornerstone of what Gigi had mentioned earlier that she invited me to. I think what was it, Gigi, in two thousand and nine or ten? She invited me to, which is a, an integral part of our strategy, a clergy roundtable that was hosted and. All faiths are invited to that clergy roundtable, and it is there that they are exposed 
to the primary uh, principles, what we call the Ten Commitments of a Mental Health Friendly uh, Congregation. And it was there that um, all faith leaders of all of different faith communities are invited to. And so in our, in our, our one of our first steps is that we, ha- we host meetings in which we invite everyone. So the principles are translatable regardless to the faith. Actually, we've even had individuals, a part of our trainings, who have identified with, with no faith, but still have benefited from the trainings. So that, so that brings me to my next question, which, which was the tie-in to, to begin with. But, but how does, as a pastor, how can you explain what faith is and how it affects the, the mental part of trying to um, improve your health mentally, physically? Well, well Gigi can speak to this also from a, from a um, because we also, it's a community-defined strategy, but it's driven by uh, the peer community, the consumer community. We actually don't define the faith. We allow the community to do so. And then within, without violating any of the principles and the tenets of their faith, how can you in- incorporate the principles that we're teaching? And again, it's more than teachings and trainings. It's really, it's, it's a lifelong congregational or faith community transformation in which we give you the tools. So it's, it's, it's similar to in the scriptures um, when, when John the Baptist was ministering. And then when he saw Jesus, he said, he said, it's time for me to decrease and for him to increase. And that's a part of our, our strategy is for you to take these tools and to indigenize it to your particular faith community. Hmm. So Jesus, what can you add to that? How do, how does, how does the, what is different about using um, a faith-based curriculum to have a bigger impact on just teaching people how to deal with mental health? Well, we've actually been able, and it's been embraced for individuals who live with substance abuse when they do their steps to getting um, an understanding that they do not have to do this alone, and it's just kind of been pushed away and not embraced for mental health. So we recognize that individuals who have had a uh, history of struggling with their mental health, believing that sometime over spiritualizing it and believing that um, they can just pray it away. We've been able to give those individuals and their families the tools how to integrate and understand how important it is to uh, utilize the skill set. We have a a pretty nationally known faith leader here in the uh, California Bay Area who said that he had to reconcile with the fact that if he's on an airplane and he's having a heart attack, that, of course, he wants all the many faith leaders that he traveled with to continue praying for him, but he needs them to get out the way and allow the doctor, who has been anointed with the skill set, to support him so that he, you know, so that he can get the medical. So, too often in mental health, we will only treat above the neck once a person is diagnosed with a mental health disability. So we're taking a more holistic approach, but bringing all the essential partners in to make sure that this whole person care is embraced. And that's what's been kind of the challenge. We have never allowed that approach in our traditional teaching of how to serve someone who lives with a psychiatric disability. So we're just pushing the envelope in that area. 
But why do you think it has been has been kind of like not used as a tool? Like we mentioned before, in Alcoholics Anonymous, it's used it's the, it's a primary tool and it's kind of the foundation of how uh, the AA works. You know, it's, it's basically taking those same you know a faith based principle, a faith based approach to try to use old ancient techniques to get people to change their lives. And most faith-based curriculums or faith-based religions in general are designed to change your life. They're designed to put you on a track to have a certain path of behavior. So why, what has been, what has changed where now people are starting to recognize this importance in the mental health community? Uh, Pastor, can you answer that? Yes. Gigi can also, uh, uh, one of our, um, cornerstone curriculums is called spirituality 101 and so um in that training and that's primarily targeting uh providers and systems of care and uh, our primary clinician does an excellent job of approaching it from a historical and medical uh perspective as it relates to the vital role that faith and spirituality literally has always played not just in in mental health but also in in physical health, and it wasn't until um, certain periods of time in which that was suppressed. And we're seeing now that there, that is actually embraced more within the uh, mental health uh, field today than it was in the past. And one of the, and one of the distinctions that we make as well, kind of alluding to your, your previous question, and I think uh, helps as well, is that we draw a distinction between what faith is and what spirituality is. Hmm. Those are two different um, uh, perspectives. Faith is based upon a belief system that's generally connected to a religion. And in, that, in the faith or in, in, the, in, in a religious uh, group, there is a belief in a power, and we was mentioned about AA, a power, a source, a creator, or a sustainer greater than oneself that has the capacity and the ability to enable you to rise above your challenges, and you rely upon that relationship, you rely upon that belief system, and studies and surveys have seen that. Then we have, on the other hand, spirituality, which is not necessarily connected to a belief system, but it is connected to that individual. And so within our curriculum, we give room, and through Spirituality 101, we're able to then uh, cover with a, a broad umbrella, which makes it much more easier for those who are providing services to embrace the faith of their, their clients, whether it's their faith or their spirituality, and then working with the, 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 what we do is we build those bridges between the two. We work with facilitating mental health-friendly congregations and faith communities so that you're now able to work together to provide services uh, for your clients. Now, Gigi, can you tell me a little bit more about how you help nonprofits? Because I think that's really, really critical because when you're dealing with an, org- with an individual, uh, that person can go in and, and embrace it. How, do, how have you reached out to nonprofits to spread this, this message and this curriculum to those types of organizations? So while we were, um, while I was working in Alameda County in the Bay Area, I was able to support an effort around reducing disparities for the African-American community. So we knew that once we released our report, which is the African-American Utilization Report, and we knew it had a strong uh, connection with working with the faith leaders, 
that we wanted to have an opportunity to have nonprofits. So those who, as Pastor Jones said, were delivering the service have an opportunity to learn the community-defined strategy. So we were able to actually give a $1.8 million innovation grant that then allowed for continued community learning. And so we would go to the nonprofits that contract with the county systems and allow them to, through the lens of reducing disparities, understand the important role faith and spiritual spirituality plays for the African-American community, 88% of whom identify as Christian, but with a desire to have that be included in their treatment planning. So we were able to do that in California. We have a California Mental Health and Spirituality Initiative where our behavioral health directors across the state have acknowledged, and we did surveys for for those directors, and 92% of them said that faith and spirituality should be included as a resource for reducing disparities and embracing the cultural differences. So that was across the board, not just specific to African Americans. So once you got the leadership, the decision makers on board with you, you didn't brush up against any of the uh, conversations that often come up around separation of church and state. <laughs> So tell me this: how so? How can churches and not-for-profits uh, get your curriculum or learn your curriculum so they can use it in their churches? And that's Pastor. Pastor John, website if you want to share. Yes, the uh, one of the first. If if we're allowed to um, give our uh, email address, so oh, that ahead. would be yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. So it's Mary Harry Frank Charlie M H F C at T-R-I, try, cities, C-I-T-I-E-S, D as in cat, D as in dog, D as in cat, dot com. So that's the, the best way. Mental health friendly is MHFC at TriCities, CDC, dot com. And then, of course, NAMI nationally has a faith net. So at NAMI, they've been very progressive of recognizing the role faith and spirituality plays, not just for the peer, meaning the person who lives with mental health, but also the family members. So for many years, they have embraced the opportunity to have a curriculum that would move the conversation forward um, across the nation. Wow. And, and each of us. Yeah. How long is that curriculum? And is it something that you have to do over and over again, or is it like a one class or one uh, session type of type of curriculum? Well, what generally happens is we will approach a faith community, get the buy-in first from their faith leader, because that's really important. We call it the power of the might, because uh, it, misinformation across a pulpit can be very damaging. So once we get the faith leader and his team to commit to having a ministry team focused on mental health, and then they're following our what we call our 10 commitments to becoming a mental health-friendly faith community, then we're able to then move them through a process where it's a train-the-trainers model. We certainly can't be at every, you know, location and sticking there for long periods of time. We have to have the individuals already there be able to continue the effort. So we've been in a position where in some counties we've been able to give grants so that those faith centers can look at the important key months, whether it be February for 
the second week of February in California is Mental Health Awareness Week for African Americans. And so that's when a lot of activity. And then, of course, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And that's when a lot of the faith communities will lift up their trainings and uh, retreats, et cetera, with a focus on mental health. And then also uh, October, the first um, the first Tuesday of the first full week is, of course, Mental Health Day of Prayer. And some faith centers will definitely do some work on that day. So they continue to teach and learn um, throughout their community. But the expertise is actually usually already found in the church because you're going to have someone who lives with it. You're going to have some clinicians there and you're going to have family members who understand mental health and can dispel myths and stereotypes and replace it with accurate information. Our Mental Health 101 training goes through the most common mental health diagnosis, but we share with people, you will not leave here a subject matter expert able to diagnose anyone, but you'll carry more compassion and understanding with uh, the knowledge you'll gain about the diagnosis. And do you, do you find uh, most congregations, when you go to approach them about using the, using healthcare, the healthcare system, and teaching them about what's going on inside the mind using science, is there a lot of pushback because they might say, well, no, I'm just going to pray it away. I'm like, I don't need a doctor to do it. I'm just going to pray this way, make it go away. Do you, do you, have, do you see, a, a, is there any kind of a, a cultural like, a, a, a abrasiveness when it comes to that? Because you kind of hinted to that a little bit, Gigi. Is that, yeah, when, that? when we first started doing the training, we did have quite a few people who would sit back with their arms folded and, and were uh, not necessarily embracing the idea. But I always ask people, anyone who has this belief that there should be a separation of church and state, please reach in your pocket and give me everything in there that said, in God we trust. And no one has ever given me a nickel. So we understand Mm -hmm. that we have to do the education. We don't proselytize. We're offering tools. And so in hospital settings, when you're going to be admitted, generally, it's not called JACO anymore, but it used to be called JACO. They actually have to ask the individual in an inpatient setting what is their faith practice. And then they're thinking if anything goes wrong, we'll get someone from that community to come and offer ministry and counseling to the individual. We want that same level of concern and support in the mental health community. Mm-hmm. And also so within what- the faith and also within the faith community, there are three areas that we address in our training. One is the over spiritualization trivialization and demonization of mental illness within the faith community. And, and uh, the training has been so impactful. And again, uh, you know, it's more than just, you know, a few hours of training, but the experience has been so impactful that we've had pastors who have actually come to some of our trainings and shared as I had to, when I was first exposed and, uh, and they go, they went back to their congregations and apologized. Because they didn't realize how they were using language and illustrations and metaphors that further exasperated the pain that many of their members were living with, and also um, uh, uh, widening the wall and heightening the wall of stigma within our churches and our communities. And so that's been, for me personally, I had to go back and stand in the pulpit and apologize. I just didn't know. And, uh, and so we've seen that initially, sometimes within our congregations, Oh, and, and just about all of them, not un, 
because of the misinformation, not truly understanding what it is and what it isn't. And then as they go through the training, it's like aha moment after aha moment that ultimately impacts the well-being of our uh, congregants community. I was going to say we've had the same, um, not necessarily apologies from um, clinicians, but someone saying, oh, now after taking the spirituality one-on-one, now I better understand why this person has shared with me they carry a belief that I need to be more inclusive about what's most important to them in their life. Like we heard statements like, if God doesn't heal me, I won't, I won't be healed. So the clinicians now are in a better position to understand they have to in some way embrace that as a tool toward healing for those they're treating. Wow, four great shows today. Thank you, our partner, Nima, Ms. G. Crowder, for a wonderful, wonderful show. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.